0: Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts as usual, Jeff, and peeking at me over the corn stalks from the Pacific Northwest is my usual co-host Mark A. Johnston, Mark. How you doing, buddy?
1: Hey man, it's been a, a lot of fun. There's been a lot of baseball lately. Pennant races, wild cards, playing in cornfields, lots and lots of good stuff.
0: Yeah, and we haven't got to talk face to face here for for two weeks because i've took a holiday we haven't recorded for a while and we have got a ton of things to talk about now i'm just going to say it right now we're not going to talk about this field of dreams game i'm over it done with it (laughs) i watched like a half an inning of it i'm not really a big fan apparently it was well watched and it was a fun game at the end why don't we pay minor leaguers instead of spending all this money on one-off games That's all I'm saying. But beyond that, Mark, we have been gone, like I said, for, well, we haven't been gone. We've been putting out episodes because we prepared, but we haven't got to talk about things for two weeks. And this being a baseball history podcast, we like to talk about things that happened, you know, in, in the past. But in the last two weeks, so many things have happened that are now baseball history. We got to talk about them because a lot of things have happened that have never happened before. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about guys that came up to the big leagues and their first hit was a home run. Yes. And we found out that literally there are like 15 million guys that have done
1: that before. Right, at, at minimum. <laughs> at yes. minimum,
0: yes. I found one that we did not mention that I wanted to talk about. His name was Dave McAmar. Now, I don't know how we missed this guy. First of all, his nickname was Mach 1, which is pretty cool. Oh, oh sweet. Now I think it's a that is actually a, excuse the pun a mocking nickname when I tell you this to the story. So ah. he came up with the Angels' very first game of his career. He led off against the Twins. So he gets up there, digs in. The very first pitch he sees, he hits a home run off of Jeff Zahn. Now, very nice. That's it's a big home run straight away center field, only home run of his career. Mockimer was a fourth round draft pick in 1972. He played in just 29 games in the majors. So only 28 games after that. That was his only home run. He was out of professional baseball four years later. I'm beginning to think that Mach 1 is actually mocking his one home run. Because, (laughs) you know, you might think, well, maybe he's fast. So in 29 career games, zero stolen bases, four caught stealing. That's, so not fast. That's not a good percentage. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'd never heard of Dave Machmer. He did what we've been talking about, but just it's, that was
1: uh, it. Uh, yeah, he kind of got lost in the uh, in the footnotes there.
0: Well, like I said, I think 15, literally 15 million guys have hit home run their first, <laughs> <or> <laughs> yes, their first home there's their first run. There's actually a
1: good number that have hit on the first pitch they saw.
0: Yeah, and he's one of them. Very first pitch right there. But that yep. was that was it for the long ball.
1: I've heard it said you only get your first pitch once, so you might as well take a big hack at it.
0: He ended up with 11 hits. He had two doubles and then that one home run. So the slugging percentage isn't that great. (laughs) I wanted wanted to mention Mach 1 because that's a cool nickname. I'm glad we didn't. I, I was thinking we might record on Saturday. I'm glad we didn't because on Saturday night for the Diamondbacks. Tyler Gilbert became the fourth pitcher in baseball history to throw a no-hitter in his first big league start.
1: Yes, that was amazing. I, I got to watch part of it.
0: Yeah, we almost had another one today. Yes. Uh, the Sticks, McKenzie, his nickname Sticks for, the, for, for Cleveland, for the Guardians, took it to two outs in the eighth. And then it was, that was a perfect game too. It
1: was a perfecto, yeah.
0: Yeah. I do want to mention this though, because while this is a great feat, this was not tyler gilbert's first game in the big leagues he is he appeared in three other games in relief but this was his first start that's right only two others have done that since they started throwing from 60 feet six inches most recently was bobo Holman in 1953 you remember bobo with the st louis browns
1: Bobo was uh he was character
0: yeah so Bobo and Gilbert are the only two to have done this in their first major league start throwing from 60 feet since six inches Bumpus Jones of the Cincinnati Reds and another Brown Ted Brittenstein did it in 1891 1891 and 1892 big years for for no hitters apparently (laughs) that's right (laughs) Uh, It was the third Diamondbacks no hitter in franchise history. The others being Randy Johnson's perfect game, which happened in uh, 2004 in Atlanta and Edwin Jackson's, which was at Tampa in 2010. No one has actually thrown a no hitter in their first big league appearance. So a little bit different. I did look up the earliest no hitters in a pitcher's career by games. So Gilbert, this was his fourth career game. Two players have thrown in their second career appearance, period. Wow. First one, Wilson Alvarez in 1991, which is weird because I literally just watched highlights of his no hitter. Which I, it, is what we're talking about. I think it was the anniversary last week. And then Clay Buchholz did it in 2007, also against Baltimore. So huh. two, two guys with the fewest career appearances to do it are rather new guys. Also, speaking of that no-hitter, we have now broken the record. We now have the most no-hitters in one season That's Right. any other season with eight breaking the mark of seven, which has happened uh, several times in 1990, 91, 2012, and 2015. All right, one more, another very exciting thing that we'll be talking about in the future, but let's talk about it now because it happened last week. Brewer's right-hander Corbin Burns tied a major league record by striking out 10 consecutive batters during a 10-0 victory over the Cubs, one strikeout for every run. That's how that works, right?
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah. So he shares the record with Phillies pitcher Aaron Nola, who accomplished this in June. So that's kind of strange that it's only happened a couple of times, two of which have been this year. The other time was when Hall of Famer Tom Seaver did it in 1970. Um, So a week or so ago, the Yankees and the Royals played a really weird game. The final in 11 innings was the Yankees eight, the Royals six. The reason I want to talk about this is because the Yankees tallied four blown saves in this game.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah, The the Yankees went into the seventh with a one to nothing win and then blew a save for each inning until they finally nailed it down in the 11th. (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) That is some that hurts when you look at blown, save, blown, save, blown, save, blown, save.
1: I guess. I mean, you can only get one save per game, but you can get plenty of blown oh, saves. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if it's going to happen to anybody, I mean, unfortunately, the Yankees won the game. But.
1: <laughs> and to our Yankee fan listeners, fortunately, the Yankees won the game. <laughs> oh, fortunately. Totally fortunately.
0: <laughs> uh, we do have somebody that wants to take us to court here. Never a Uh-oh. good time. Now, I've been corresponding with uh, one with one of our listeners, Gerald Saves Florida on Instagram. He informed me that Luis Salazar, who we pulled a card a week or two ago in in uh, Wax Packs Heroes, and I said that he was the current manager of the Florida Fire Dogs, but the Fire Dogs was actually one of those teams that was wiped off of the minor league map by uh, His Lordship Manford, the Wonderful. Yes. Uh, so I, he wanted to take me to court but I, I asked him this is there a is, is there a new manager was he technically fired from the firefrogs I, I don't know I, what, what are your what are your thoughts here
1: Nah that's a tough one I mean he could go either way there Uh
0: let's do this I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to find myself 33 cents which is the Number of career triples that Luis Salazar hit in his 13-year big league career. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. 33 cents done. Florida Firefrogs, unfortunately, uh, RIP. All right. Well, let's get into something a little bit more uplifting, shall we? It's time for the Lars Newt Bar update. Now, this is great. I love our listeners, Mark. So I've been on holiday. I've kind of taken a break from social media I've kind of unplugged. I, I did watch the A's every night still. I managed to squeeze in a game and a little bit of uh, another game here and there. Last week, I was uh, not checking social media or anything. And then about like one or two in the morning, I'm kicking back with some friends still having some adult beverages. And I so I'm just going to check Twitter real quick. Like 10 or so direct messages to us from <laughs> listeners because something magical happened that night. I love it. A one-two. Newt Bar, and he crushes one. Out to deep right at the wall. Gone. Pinch hit. Two-run bomb. Lars Newt Bar. I can hear it all over in St. Louis. Newt with his first career home run. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Lars Newt Bar. He's, you know, no doubt a lifetime of perseverance, practice, guts, fortitude, and hard work got him that first career home run. But I like to think that we had a little bit to do with it.
1: I I think so, too. I mean, we offer encouragement on a weekly basis. And (laughs) if that doesn't get to you in some manner, you know, through good vibes or whatever. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think we had something to do with it. I don't think there's any question. We're the biggest fans.
0: Yeah. Well, now, it doesn't end there. Fast forward 24 hours. 24 hours after his first home run which was a pinch hit home run coming off the bench cold and immediately turned it up to 11 next night called upon to pinch hit again this time in Kansas City ah! Nude bar a drive right center he's done it again wow Newt they're saying it in Kansas City his second home run in the bigs back to six nothing st louis newt! <laughs> Even the announcers are into the new he'll never be booed on the road no he can't be he can't be but lars newt bar is on a tear these back-to-back pinch hit home runs then earned him an actual start believe it or not where he did go one for four he struck out twice but our boy Lars is turning it on. He's yep. now got his uh, his season average up to two twenty nine. But more importantly, his on base percentage is at an acceptable three hundred, and his slugging percentage is up to four fifty seven.
1: Wow, that's outstanding! See, folks, you, where did you hear about about Lars Nubar first? Right here, right? Unless you're smarter than us, which kind of happens sometimes. yeah that's, but anyway that
0: happens quite a bit but <laughs> how about our listeners though letting us know like outstanding l- real time too
1: <laughs> that's awesome it's just
0: awesome i love it yeah thanks a lot everybody that's awesome and it's fun to see him have some success and uh, it's such a fun name that uh, i love to just say lars newt uh, there you go lars newt bar's got his first two major league home runs back to back All right, let's get into some debuts. This show is debuting on August 17th. Got a couple of debuts that we wanna talk about. Today in 1951, Frank Thomas made his debut.
1: Yes, the other Frank Thomas.
0: Not the Big Hurt, but the big donkey Frank Thomas. You know, I get this Frank Thomas and Frank Howard confused a lot. Frank Frank Howard was the, I mean, just a monster. Yes. Just huge. Frank Thomas, the big donkey, was pretty big, 6'3", only 200 pounds, but he did play for 16 years in the big leagues and put up some pretty decent power numbers, ended up with 286 career home runs, a slash line of 266, 324 54 and a 107 OPS+. Plus. Couple of seasons, he received MVP votes and was a three-time All-Star. Spent most of his career with the Pittsburgh Pirates. I, I like to point out these guys like Frank Thomas, who had good careers but kind of you know overlooked these days. Not somebody that everybody's heard of, especially when you're named Frank Thomas and right you're on you know pumping GNC supplements all the time. You yeah, know that's what people think about. But
1: well, three hundred, nearly three hundred career home runs is nothing to shake a stick at.
0: No, it is not. So uh, Frank Thomas on this day. And then this one, we've talked about this guy a couple of times on the podcast. August 17th, 1987, Tom Glavin makes his debut in the big leagues.
1: Yeah, he 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 was pretty good, too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so we've talked about Glavin's numbers a lot. Uh, so let's focus a little bit on some of the stuff that we like to focus on this show. August 5th, 2007, Glavin wins his 300th game, becoming the 23rd pitcher to win 300 games at the time, and only the fifth left-handed pitcher to do so, joining Eddie Plank, Lefty Grove, Warren Spahn, and Steve Carlton. Randy Johnson, of course, would join the 300 club a couple of years later. Tom Glavin was a durable, durable pitcher. The only time he ever went on the DL was during his final year in, uh, well, second to last year, actually, in 2007. Really? Yeah, beyond that, I mean, look at these games. The only year he ever started, well, let's see, 25 was his lowest number of games started, other than the final year when he only pitched in 13 games. 90% or more of his seasons, he pitched in 30 or more. Uh, I take that back, his his rookie year, he only appeared in nine games, but he started all nine of them. For a career, he appeared in 682 games, games started 682. Pretty impressive.
1: Never once came out of the pen. No.
0: Tom Glavin was drafted by the LA Kings in the 1984 entry draft. We've talked about his prowess on the ice. Uh, that was in the fourth round, 69th overall, which was two rounds ahead of Brett Hole and five rounds ahead of Lucky Luke Robitaille. Crazy. So that is how highly I, I'm pretty sure Robitaille is in the Hall of Fame, too. If he if he is, that's two Hockey Hall of Famers that he was drafted ahead of. I'm not sure on Lucky Luke. I should have looked that up, but. Robin um,
1: must just be a heck of an athlete. That's all there is to it.
0: Yeah, yeah. He, I, th- I believe he lettered also in basketball in high school. And uh, I'm not sure if he played football or not, but uh, just a great athlete. And, of course, the thing that I think we probably like him for the most here. Chick's stick the long ball. Hey, have you guys seen Mark? have you guys
1: seen
0: Mark? Absolutely, in my word, the greatest baseball commercial of all time the chicks dig the long ball nike campaign yeah just classic great and great stuff we did a whole segment on that way way back this is show 130 i think we were in the tens when we did that uh speaking of glavin and his hitting prowess four silver slugger awards during his
1: career not bad
0: yeah not bad with the not bad with the stick chicks really do dig the long ball. Although, of course, uh, Glavin ended up with only one home run in his career in 1995. But a really a good hitter, a 186 career average. I always just add 100 points on batting average to a pitcher, which that would be 286, which is really, especially in today's day and age, that's like going to put you in line for like 10th in the batting title.
1: 1996, he hit 289. And that was in 96 plate appearances, so not so bad.
0: Yeah, a 675 OPS that year. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I'll, I'll take that for a pitcher any day. Last thing I wanted to talk about, Glavin, in 2008, he released a charity wine called Cabernet Glavignon. (laughs) <laughs> to raise funds for Cure Childhood Cancer, an organization founded to help conquer childhood cancer through research, education, and support of patients and families. And Tom has done a ton of charity work throughout his career, his life, his post-career life, all that kind of stuff. So Tom Glavin, one of the absolute greats. I was lucky enough to get to sit right behind Javi Lopez for a ton of his games. And uh, I'm uh, I was excited to get to talk about that. That's awesome. All right, let's head into trivia, my friend. This one was, I thought this was gonna be pretty tough. We got a couple of answers uh, that were correct and I'm gonna be honest, I've kind of lost them because I had to catch up on all my DMs and there were quite a few while we were gone. Uh, My question was though, Johnny Cueto swiped his first career stolen base a couple weeks ago at age 35 years, 158 days old. Amazingly, that was not the oldest guy to ever swipe his first career stolen base. Who was it? Now, you had two weeks to think about this, though I'm guessing (laughs) this is the first time you've thought about it since we last talked. Do you have any sort of answer for me?
1: You're starting to know me too well. Uh, (laughs) No, I don't have any sort of answer. I just, it's, I'm thinking it's gonna be someone maybe where, you know, we're not super familiar with.
0: Well, you would be wrong there. We're familiar with him, but it's not somebody you would ever, ever, ever ever think of the oldest player in the wildcard era to swipe a stolen base after 35 years 158 days was none other than el duque orlando hernandez
1: wait no way yeah well now (laughs) I, i wouldn't have got that
0: no i know right so they say he was 40 years old and 313 days when this happened. But if you remember, El Duque was one of those guys that had the uh, kind of wonky birth certificate. So he was kind of like Satchel Page. You never really knew how old he was. Right. So he could have been, and I'm not thinking he would have been younger. I'm thinking he might have been older than that. But he stole third on August 20th, 2006 for the Mets, his first career base. Then get this. He liked it so much. He thought it was so much fun. The next year, he stole two bases at age 41.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So he ended up with three career stolen bases. Nobody ever gunned him out. No, no gun stealings. So perfect. Mach 1 is a little bit jealous of of El Duque here with the stolen bases. Again, I know we got several people that sent us the right answer. I've just lost it. I I, I get too many DMs while I was gone. But we'll have a moment of silence here again, and you can say your name if you got that right. So uh, congratulations to... Good job, guys. It wasn't
1: me, I can tell you that.
0: (laughs) All right, trivia question for next week. Who is the only player to hit exactly two career home runs, one in the first at-bat of their career and the other at the last, the final at-bat of their big league career? So this goes right along with Mach 1 and the question that we asked several weeks ago. So now we we need a player, two career home runs, their first one was at their very first at-bat, and their last one was their very last career at-bat.
1: That's good. Whoever it was, that's impressive. Depends. if I mean, if they had a
0: long career and they did that, then
1: it's... Well, I mean, I'm just saying, you know, nothing holds up a, a nice set of books like a good pair of bookends. I have no idea what that
0: means. You <laughs> could put both balls, you could put them in a, in a case on both right. ends, and they could... Yeah, Absolutely. All right. So that's going to wrap up our BP segment. Let's let the grounds crew come out. Uh, They're a little rusty because it's been a couple of weeks, but they're going to come out, do their thing. And I've got a very fun topic to talk about today. This is a guy, Mark, that I, I know who he is. If I see him, I could probably not have pulled his name out until somebody say, oh, that's and then I would be like, oh, that's right but this guy is quintessential two-strike noise material. I'm talking about none other than reliever Don Stanhouse. Now,
1: this guy, this guy's a legend.
0: He he really is. Now, if that name doesn't mean anything to you, no shame here. I'm going to guess if you toyed with baseball history from the 70s and 80s, you probably know who this is by sight, like I said. He's been described as having a Harpo Marx like hairstyle, which was a shocking shade of orange. It was uh, kind of resembled a Chia Pet wearing a baseball hat, kind of like Oscar Gamble, but with orange hair, and <laughs> kind of like a Yosemite Sam like orange mustache.
1: That's a perfect uh, description.
0: It, throw a little bit of carrot top in there. Too.
1: <laughs> like yes, any
0: that, that too. Any famous ginger person you can think of. Just throw them in there, but just add a ton of hair. Despite now what you might think of uh, Don Stanhouse's looks, he was a ladies' man. Now, I'm not gonna really go through a whole bunch of his numbers. we'll, we'll hit some of his numbers here uh, at the end. But what I really wanna talk about is just some of his antics because this guy is a shoe-in for the Hall of Fame once the construction is over and we're ready to start inducting people. Like I said, Ladies man, he debuted in 1972. So in the early 70s, this is what everybody looked like. You know, a lot of (laughs) hair. (laughs) This is kind of his look. This is a quote from him. He said, quote, I'm not the prettiest guy in the world, but I'm no Igor either. I'm pretty on the inside. When they took x-rays of my head, they found flowers. Which <laughs> I'm not sure that's okay. a good thing, but uh, yeah. So Stanhouse picked up his first career save in the big leagues in 1973. He was so excited about his first save that on the team's flight out of town that night, and, and this is in 1973, remember. So MLB teams weren't flying private, they were flying commercial with with just normal people, here come the Baltimore Orioles onto the uh, or I, I guess at this point it would be the Texas Rangers he was on onto the flight. back to this flight, Stanhouse marched up and down the aisles autographing fellow passengers napkins despite the fact that they were not asking for an autograph nor did most of them have any idea who he was.
1: <laughs> of course.
0: nice to meet you. Don Stanhouse here you go. Here's,
1: here's my autograph <laughs> you enjoy.
0: Uh, Upon being traded from the Expos to the Orioles in 1977, he said he was excited because D.C. was only 40 miles away, and in D.C. there's more women than anywhere else in the country. So this was just a playground for him because, as I said, he was the ladies' man. He dressed in black like Johnny Cash, which no doubt looked great with all that orange hair, drove a black Cadillac and painted all the walls of his apartment a color color, that was called midnight hue. It was this, this it was black. It was so his furniture is black, his Cadillac's black. He dresses in black and he furnished his apartment, all the furniture was black. So, even if he turned on the lights, he's probably like kicking furniture and stuff cuz he just <laughs> can't see it. Okay, so he was an oddball off the mound, okay? He was also an oddball on the mound too. We'll get to that in a minute though. He was very effective in relief. So it's one thing to be kind of an oddball and not be a great pitcher, but he was a really good pitcher. He pitched for 10 years and recorded double-digit saves for three straight years from 1977 through 79, including an all-star appearance. Now, if you look at his career numbers, there are only three years where he didn't walk more than he struck out. And in those three years, it's still pretty close to being equal. As a late reliever closer, his whip was one point six. Which My is, goodness. That is not a good number. Uh, but this is one of the reasons why if he didn't want to face a batter, he'd just walk him regardless of the situation. If he didn't think he could get him out, he would just walk him as opposed to, you know, maybe giving him a home run or a double.
1: So he was selective on who he was willing to pitch to. Very, very
0: much so. Now, whether or not he was told to walk him, he would he would just walk him. This led to <coughs> one of his unique nicknames given to him by Orioles manager, Earl Weaver. Earl Weaver called him Full Pack. Now, <laughs> we've talked about Earl Weaver and his propensity to light up in the dugout. Well, he called him Full Pack because that's how many cigarettes he would usually go through in any given inning, that Stanhouse was on the man. So, That's great. Yeah, it's a full. Now it wasn't just because he walked either, and we'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, to say that Stanhouse was a deliberate worker would be kind. Pace of play not a concern. This is a quote from him. "Quote: I'd go into the stretch and I'd drop my head, kind of like I'd fallen asleep. Eventually, the hitter would step out of the box, and the umpire would yell at me to wake up." End quote. His goal, he said, was to fatigue the on-deck hitter. So he is okay. Not a fast worker here. Not not a score uh, scorekeeper's dream. Uh, the slow delivery eventually led to one of Stanhouse's defining moments. So just think about this. Yankee Stadium. He's there. Reggie Jackson is at the plate. Now here is how he remembers this scene. Quote, Reggie's up. A light drizzle falling. One out to go in the ninth. We were killing them. I was taking my time, and the fans were booing me unmercifully. So I stepped off the mound, and they booed louder. In an earlier game, Stanhouse and his teammates had joked about falling asleep between his pitches. Now they were calling out to him from the dugout, The sleeper, the sleeper! <laughs> and in the ninth inning at Yankee Stadium, he decided to have a little fun. So, he walked back onto the mound, kicked the dirt a little. Suddenly he drops his head straight down as if he's fallen asleep. Reggie calls time. Then Stanhouse says, "Quote, he stepped out of the box, he cussed me out, stepped back in. I did the same thing again." End quote. This time the umpire ordered Stanhouse to hurry up. Stanhouse responded that he was just taking a nap, but he would hurry up if the umpire really wanted to leave soon. <laughs> so, Jackson again digs into the box, gets into a stance. Quote, and again, I dropped my head right back down, <laughs> but I was watching out of the corner of my eye. And then I suddenly straightened up and threw him a little cut fastball and he swung all out of whack. And he looped it out over to third base for the final out game over. I almost got killed walking off the field. Those people were so <laughs> mad at me. End quote.
1: Uh, hey, anything to get that W?
0: He kind of lulled him into sleep, right? He just yeah. kinda, like he had a case of narcolepsy on the mound. <laughs> Unsuspecting. I hope, that, I hope that's unsuspectingly,
1: the right word. <laughs> Reggie was dozing.
0: Yeah, and so Reggie's like, oh god, what the heck are you doing? And then he just probably a quick pitch in there and not ready for it. Writer Art Hill said something uh, great about Stanhouse. Quote Don Stanhouse holds the ball so long he appears to be hoping the batter will fall victim to some crippling disease between pitches. Alright, so let's fast forward to the seventy nine World Series. Stanhouse is pitching. One of my favorites of all time. I never got to hear him do baseball. I, I've heard him watching old games do it. But fellow Washington State alumni, Keith Jackson, pointed out that at one point in the ninth inning, Stan House had been on the mound for four minutes between throwing pitches. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the amount of people stepping out and him stepping off was
1: great. Yeah, it would drive me completely nuts, Jeff.
0: Oh, yeah. And just imagine if, like, Robinson Cannell was at the plate. Oh, man. Speaking of that, so we've established that Don takes his time on the mound. Nobody's going to rush him. Well, let's talk about somebody else who was in no hurry when they got to the plate. I'm talking about the human rain delay, Mike Hargrove. Stanhouse faced Mike Hargrove eight times. How long do you think those eight plate appearances might have
1: taken total? Oh, my gosh. I I don't even I mean, I, I guarantee you he wasn't up there first pitch swinging how many of them went full counts and then some that could be a nightmare that could be an hour long at bat
0: well i mean yeah and if you total eight total plate appearances i mean we're literally talking you could have 30 minutes worth of at bats for eight plate appearances i mean that (laughs) that's that's, that is just that's rough so I told you about the nickname Full Pack, which is great. And uh, as I said, Don loves that name to this day. Uh, his email and, and Twitter addresses are Full Pack at, you know, whatever. So he, he's, he's a fan of that nickname. Uh, but he had another great one. His other nickname was Stan the Man Unusual. Now over explaining a joke always kind of ruins the joke, but this one works on two different levels and they're both great because it took me a minute to realize that unusual sounds a lot like musial where he's lifting that name from and of course stan house so stan the man unusual i love this nickname i i like it better than full pack but it doesn't it's full pack's a great short one for putting on social media or something So I wanted to talk, uh, he spent a little bit of time, very little time actually. He was injured most of the time in 1980 when he was on the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, who was the manager of the Dodgers in 1980? None other than uh, one of our favorites, Tommy Lasorda, who we've done a whole episode about. Who else was on that team but other noted oddballs, Jay Johnstone and Jerry Royce. So you've got two guys that are pranksters and they love to mess with Tommy Lasorda already and then you add Don Stanhouse into that mix and things got a little <laughs> a little goofy
1: I can imagine
0: so all three of them got in on a prank on Tommy Tommy was up till the day he passed away unfortunately he was a much sought after speaker as you can imagine he's funny he's got a ton of stories well Royce and Stanhouse would f- always figure out where Tommy was going to be speaking and they would call the location in advance and they'd say hey you know we're Jerry Royce Don Stanhouse uh pitchers for the Dodgers we would love we'd be honored if we could come out and maybe say a couple words about our manager before he speaks to the crowd well obviously these places are going to be like yes yeah come right ahead well they wouldn't tell Tommy of course what they would do then is they would get a script that Tommy would write He would get it from the Dodgers PR who would have a copy of it and then they would show up at the speech and they would take turns reading Tommy's speech before he could read it. And they would tell all of his jokes and all of his stories before Tommy obviously was not a fan of this prank, but nonetheless, that had to be good comedy as well.
1: That's fantastic.
0: So Don Stanhouse. There you go. This was one of those things where I was just going to do, I had read about that last prank. I was just gonna do this, throw this in for Tales from the Dugout or maybe even just during BP. And then I did some reading and it's just more and more and more of these great stories. He was such a character and he had such a great look bushy mustache and the hair sticking out and everything he embraced it he created t-shirts with that on it and there's some great t-shirts if you look around the internet that you could probably still buy today of, of those stan uh, stan the man unusual slash full house slash full pack it's great stuff i i, I really like don Stanhouse. he's going to be entering the hall of fame as soon as we're we're ready to open that bad boy
1: it's starting to look really good i've seen the plans and uh the foundation's going in real nicely
0: yeah my uh my life-size statue in the front is a little bit behind schedule so that's the reason for the hold up
1: yeah um, and how come i just got a plaque I'm just <laughs> you, <saying. laughs>
0: on the bench in the back
1: yeah i mean that's just no way. <laughs> and i had to pay for it this bench made possible <laughs> i mean come on
0: yeah and by the way if you want to if you want a commemorative brick just go ahead and send us some money and <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in there <laughs> Yeah, you got it. <laughs> All right, so that was kind of different because I, I really haven't mentioned much in the way of stats of Don Stanhouse because I really just wanted to talk about his his quirkiness on and off the field. He was a, he was an All Star in 1979 for the Orioles. That was the year that they went to the World Series and they ended up losing to the We Are Family pittsburgh pirates but uh, he had a really good career a, kind of a short career because of injuries but uh, his time in montreal and baltimore were definitely his better years really an odd pitcher to, to walk that many people and to have that kind of whip but still be that effective is very impressive i
1: i agree that that's that's fun stuff
0: all right so mark uh, let's wrap up this segment of the show and we're going to head into the final segment something we haven't done for two weeks we're, we might be a little bit rusty but we're going to do it anyway.
1: What is it? What is it?
0: It's time for the one and only Wax Packs Heroes. Boys, hero! Gotta pull the wax pack hero. God God stars, stars in his eyes. Back Hero! want to podcast tonight. All right, so this week, Mark, I have got some a uh, uh, kind of card we haven't opened up yet before. We've opened up this year before, but we have never opened up 1989 tops big cards so these are not regular tops 89 cards these are big cards so if you're familiar with bowman cards how they're a little bit bigger that's what these are like which is not good if you're collecting cards because (laughs) they're they're big (laughs) they started now i do have a little history on this because tops started the big series in 1988 the cards measured two and five8 inches by three and three quarter inches instead of the standard two and a half by three and a half. I remember these being a pain because you couldn't really store them in albums or the usual you know, white long storage boxes because they're just too long. There are special eight card pages that you could buy uh, and put these in if you wanted to put them in uh, in a binder. But uh, Topps discontinued the big series after three years. And you know, they're, they're okay looking cards, but they just, why, why would you change up when everybody else, including yourself puts out a set of one size and then you do this oddball size,
1: but I remember the same thing you do, Jeff, and that they were just too long. You put them in a regular sleeve and they'd stick out and when you're just asking for it to get dinged, if I remember right, these have the profile and then an action shot, like it's a wide flat card. Yep. Yep. Yeah.
0: So uh, I've got two packs here. Now this is gonna be a first game of a double header light because there's only seven cards per pack. Okay. Usually we're open up packs that have 15 or 13 or you know, just a lot of cards in them. This is, these are, this is gonna be a quick one. So this is gonna be important. Now, uh, I'm going to have you choose here in a minute, but first I'm going to go over the rules in case you are new here. We're going to open these up. We're going to look at baseball reference, and we're going to take the war from the year of the card, so 1989, and we're going to add that up. we got a couple of different things, though, that can get you some more points or subtract points. First of all, if the player is wearing eye black, glasses, night vision goggles, anything around their eyeballs, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. They're wearing real stirrups that we can see and we can see sanitary socks underneath them, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. But if they're wearing the two and ones, which might happen in this 89 set, you're going to minus a tenth of a point because that is a bad fashion choice. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or their caricature on it, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If they have won any awards this year, this is where you can really rack up some stuff. That means. MVP, Cy Young, if you were an all star, if you were rookie of the year or you want a gold glove, we're not doing Silver Slugger, but th- those other five, you're going to get an extra half a point of war, which that can really add up. If you are now in the Hall of Fame, you're going to get a whole extra point of war. Mark and I are each going to pick a team. If the team we pick shows up in our pack, we're going to get an extra half a point of war. But if our team shows up in the other's pack, they are going to minus a half a point of war. And we cannot pick the same team week after week. So, Mark, what team are you going to
1: pick this week? This week is the New York Metropolitans. So you pick
0: the New York Mets. Well, I'm going to do something because I picked the Yankees, I believe, a week or two ago. I am going to go with a team... That half of the New York Metropolitans logo is patterned after. Remember when the Giants and the, and the Dodgers left for the West Coast and the Mets came into being? They took the blue from the uh, Brooklyn Dodgers and they took the orange from the New York Giants. I am going to go with the San Francisco Giants.
1: Okay. Okay. Fair enough.
0: Baseball team, not the like uh, logic. not the New York. Uh, Giants football team so if you have forgotten we have started the third season Mark is the two-time defending champion I have won two of these battles so far this season and Mark has won a single one all right Mark I got two packs here in my one in my left hand one in my right hand I'm going to let you pick which one you would like
1: I'm going to go right hand again even though I I lost with the right last week I believe but I'm going to try it again see if I can pick back up
0: all right, so you are going to pick the uh, pack in the right. I am going to go ahead, and uh, I'm going to let you be the visiting team as I always do, and I'm going to have you go first. And uh, let's get right into it. All right, Mark, you're starting off strong here with one of uh, a player that I really like. He, uh, I liked him because he uh, played baseball, and it was at BYU, but it was still in the state of Utah. It is none other than Corey Snyder here with the Cleveland Guardians baseball club.
1: You gotta like cory snyder man he's one of those guys that had we talk about him because we're both big fans of outfielders with rifle arms Corey had a gun of an arm
0: yeah Corey snyder had a uh, okay year in 1989 he only hit 215 but we don't really care about batting average ops plus was only 70 he played in 132 games so really just a down year the year before it he had an OPS plus of 122 and hit 26 home runs this year, only 18 home runs, 59 RBI, and that equals a war of 0.0. 0.
1: Ouch. So, so he was exactly average.
0: Yes. Now, if we had uh, the mustache.
1: The mustache rule?
0: Yeah. The if facial we, hair rule? Yeah, if we still had the mustache rule in play, you would have scored a bit here because he always had a good mustache. Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, that rule is not in play this season. Uh, so there is uh, nothing there, and there is nothing else on this card that is going to get you anything. So you're going to start off with a big goose egg. Good start. I remember this. I remember the card. Corey Snyder was a member of the 1984 U.S. Olympic team.
1: I do. It was a Topps uh, 85 card.
0: Yeah, along with Don August, he was on that team. That's right. Uh, let's see. also uh, served as a coach for the Rainiers in the 2010s.
1: I didn't even know that.
0: And also managed the China Trust Brothers team in the CPBL in 2017 and 2018. I didn't know that. They were my team, uh, especially last year, you know, when they started up before the the majors did. That was my team because their mascot is an elephant. That's right. Okay, your next card is the brother of a Hall of Famer. I don't think you get any any points for that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we might want to institute that rule.
0: I think he could. You know, he might. It's maybe a Hall of Fame pitching coach. It is. <laughs> I've never heard this nickname before. Mad Canine. It is Mike Maddox, brother of Greg Maddox. Ah
1: uh, yes, Mike Mike was a, a pretty good pitch, pitcher in his own right, though.
0: So. Yeah, he pitched for fifteen years in the big leagues. I've never heard Mad Canine. Obviously, that's a play on his brother's nickname. A lot of different numbers than uh, his brother was mainly a starter in the big. Or no, I'm sorry, was mainly a reliever in the big leagues. Finished his 15 year career with a 39 and 37 mark, a 4.05 ERA. That equates to a 102 ERA plus. So really, right about an average pitcher for 15 years. In 1989. Uh, Let's see. He ended up with a war of minus 0.6. Great. So I am rolling. (laughs) That was a one in three mark with a 5.15 ERA. And uh, yeah, not a strong start, not a strong start for you. Uh, Again, if the mustache rule was in place, you would score here. He does have real stirrups on though. So that'll help you. Uh, It'll only be a minus 0.5 for you, but you're, you're going in the wrong direction here.
1: Yeah, that's, that's for sure.
0: Uh, Maddox, I think it probably uh, Equaled the number of years now As a pitcher, or as a pitching coach As he did as a pitcher Alright, so you're at minus .5 I like it Alright, next you have got Wow, if, if you would have picked the uh, Cleveland Guardians You would be having a good Good pack so far It is none other than Carmen
1: Castillo Carmen Castillo?
0: Carmen Castillo, yeah this is uh, not to be confused with Carmelo Castillo, although right. his middle name is Carmelo. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh, Carmelo Castillo played for 10 years in the big leagues from 1982 through 1991, seven of which was with the Guardians, three with the Twins to end his career. And uh, actually, 1989 was his first year in Minnesota. He appeared in 94 games, hit 257, 305, and 454 for a 106 OPS plus. So this might be your best guy
1: yet. I mean, who would have thought?
0: Well, uh, let me let's hold on there because his WAR was actually a minus point five.
1: <laughs> I'm going for setting a record here.
0: And unfortunately, there's nothing, again, a mustache. We picked the wrong season to, to do away with the mustache, you all. But <laughs> a minus 0. 0.5, which will take you to a full minus 0. 0.1. You could actually end up our very first uh, minus total. Now, one well, of the when gre-
1: you're pulling to get to zero, you know, that's a rough day.
0: Yeah. Now, one of the great things about these cards is they've got little cartoons on the back that tells us things about them oh nice carmen hit 333 in the dominican republic league in 1981 and he belted a grand slam versus the rangers in 1984.
1: wow well good for carmen
0: all right your next guy is a member of the kansas city royals he was a catcher for a long time mike mcfarlane
1: Uh, i always liked mike mcfarlane
0: mike mcfarlane uh, i remember him he ended up his career in oakland didn't play a whole lot, yes. backup catcher, but I remember him in age uniform. Spent most of his career in Kansas City, 13 years in the big leagues, 11 years with Kansas City. In uh, 1989, this was his third year in the big leagues. He appeared in 69 games, only hit 223, an OPS plus of 59. So I'm afraid this is probably not going to help you a whole lot. He does have real stirrups that I can see, though. And uh, that is a a war of minus 0.2. So that'll actually only be a minus 0.1. But I like the way you're headed.
1: Yeah, this is grand.
0: Mike McFarland is from my neck of the woods. He's from Stockton, California. Not too far away from here. He was hit 97 times by pitches, which uh, at the time of his retirement, ranked him in the top 100 in Major League Baseball history. Well, good for him. On base machine. All right, here's a guy that we have had before. Here he is with the San Francisco Giants. I'm very happy about that because that's a minus half a point of war right off the bat for you. <laughs> it is one of our favorite leadoff batters, though, nicknamed Bugsy. It's Brett Butler.
1: Oh, gotta love
0: him. Yeah, Brett Butler. I think we had him just a week or so ago in uh, 1989. His second year with the Giants appeared in just about every game. Great, great numbers here. This slash line 283, 349, 354, 105 OPS, 31 stolen bases. And uh, I think you should, get, he even got some MVP votes this year. I'm thinking you should get some positive here. Yeah, positive 1.9 for you. All right. Now, the bad news is he's on the Giants. So I'm going to take away half a point of war. So that's 1.4. Oh,
1: uh, well. It gets it's you like into the positive. a blackjack and the dealer showing an ace. Yeah. And you so got to take even money.
0: You're at least up to, uh, you're at least up to 0. 0.3 now. Brett Butler, of course, I liked him because he could run. 558 career stolen bases. He was thrown out, though, 257 times. So he just
1: ran and ran.
0: That's not a great percentage. That's right around 66%. Led the league and caught
1: stealing three times. Butler has a couple of records for bunting he had, uh, 29 bunt hits in 1992 and, uh, actually 57% of the time he bunted, he got a hit. Pretty wow. impressive.
0: Yeah. He and, was uh, great at
1: that. he has the record for most career bunt hits with 188. Wow. Very the impressive. last of the great bunters.
0: All right. Now here's a guy that, oh, by the way, you're up to 0.3 now. So you're in, you're in. The so positive. excited. Here is a guy that I don't think we've ever talked about. And okay. this was the guy, this guy. I traded for a baseball card of this guy. The very first trade I ever made when trading baseball cards. I think most people remember him with the Cubs. Here he is with the Atlanta ball club. It's Jody Davis.
1: Oh, yeah. Jody Davis. Catcher.
0: Yep. Catcher. Yeah. Yeah. Ten years in the big leagues. Uh, 1989 was his second to last year. He only played 12 games in 1990. In Atlanta in 80-90, he was the backup catcher. Appeared in 78 games, hit a whopping 169, and had a 40 OPS plus. <laughs> so that's not boding well for you. Minus uh, point Minus 0.1 WAR. Uh, he does have real stirrups on though. So it will only be minus 0. 0.9. But what I'm excited about is that bumps you back down into the negative. Oh. <laughs> These tops bigs are really big loser cards. So I, I, far.
1: <laughs> I see why they discontinued them after three years. Yeah.
0: See, I think he went on to be a, a manager in the minor leagues as well. I think I remember watching him uh, actually manage uh, a bit. Had a good throwing arm finished second among among nationally catchers in caught stealing percentage in 81. Also came in behind Gary Carter in the gold glove department in 1982 for catchers. Always had a, a good arm. In 1986, he had more than 100 assists as a catcher. Joining wow. Johnny Bench, Jim Sundberg, Gary Carter, and Tony Pena as the only catchers to have 100 or more assists in a season since the Second World War. Not sure why we're measuring that against world wars but there it is all right so you're down to your final card now you are at a minus point six now we have long talked about instituting a seinfeld rule yes but we didn't do it for this season no and that's a shame because you have the card of the only player to appear on multiple episodes of seinfeld
1: would that be hold on who was, was roger mcdowell
0: nope none other than the bull danny tartable
1: oh t bull yes that's right he, he was in the george broken finger episode yep that was the had the broken that's finger. when he yes. was
0: picking him up to take him to i believe that was the telethon. yes and then that's right. uh, then he was also in the uh i forget what the other one is oh no, he was in another one i'll tell you in a minute <laughs> Okay. let's before we get to that, let's look at his numbers. So 1989, this was uh, I want to say it was kind of prime years. But 1989 and 90, he really struggled. He had uh, 25 or more home runs every year surrounding 89 and 90. In 1989, he only hit 18. Uh, He did end up with an OPS plus of 128. So let's see what that gets you here. 1989 war is a 1.9. So unfortunately you are going to finish in the positive, but oh, not, not too much. 1.3, which is <laughs> by the way, an all time record low
1: for yes, this. That's anemic.
0: Now again, we are, there's only seven cards in these packs. So it's, it's, you know, it's we're, we're a, it's a smaller sample size, but still that is uh it's, That's a a low number. Rookie year? Had a pretty good rookie year, but that was also the year that both Wally Joyner and Jose Canseco were rookies. And of course, Canseco won the Rookie of the Year that year. Let's see. He was on the episode of the Pledge Drive, which we talked about, but also the Chaperone.
1: Oh, okay. uh,
0: That's when uh, George uh, switched from polyester to cotton uniforms. (laughs) (laughs) Still a, a, a... an idea that i think should be explored he also appeared on an episode of married with children during the 94 player strike which we've covered several times before but uh there you go your final total is a buck 30 i think that's well, beautiful
1: i'm proud i'm huh. proud it's okay. beautiful by your first card pal it very well could be
0: <laughs> all right so i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna open up the second pack here and uh we will see what i get so uh my first card is a dodger i want to say this guy ran into some trouble off the field i'm sure we'll find out here in uh, very shortly here he is with the dodgers it's jay howell
1: jay howell didn't he play david spiewak in uh in the naked gun
0: (laughs) i'm not sure we i don't know who David Spiewak is, but we can, uh, we will no doubt find it here shortly. Let's first take a look at his numbers. 15 years in the big leagues, was a middle, or was a reliever for most of it. He did have 21 starts early in his career. Ended up with a, not a bad, 114 ERA plus for his career. Now in 1989, he wasn't all-star for the Dodgers. So I'm excited about that. That'll get me half a point of war. He had a good year as a reliever, five and three, 1.58 ERA and 28 saves. He ended up with 155 career saves and a 218 ERA plus. I I could, you're right. I could win it with this card or at least take the lead. 1989. That equates to a war of 3.4. There you go. Plus he's got real stirrups. Andy is an all-star that gives me an even 4.0 to start out with.
1: So that's better than mine. Yeah,
0: that is quite a bit better than yours.
1: (laughs) So just, just so I don't get dinged. uh, It was not Jay Howell in the naked gun. It was Jay Johnstone.
0: Ah, who we have also talked about this episode. Yeah, now, Jay Howell we have talked about before because he was ejected during the 88 National Championship Series against the Mets in New York, where he was found to have pine tar in his glove. And if you remember, Faye Vincent was in the stands. The umps marched him in his glove over there, and Faye Vincent said to eject him, and he was suspended after that. All right. So I'm feeling pretty comfortable. Of course you had a lot of, a lot of minuses too. So I don't don't want to get cocky. Okay. Next, uh, my card here, here he is with the angels. This is a guy I grew up with when he was on the A's with Ricky Henderson in the outfield. It is Tony Armas.
1: I knew, I knew his nephew really, really well. Um, he could hit a ton. I don't think he ever made it to the big leagues. I'm not sure though, but, uh, Marcos Armas used to hit the most massive home runs.
0: Well, uh, yeah, uh, that's actually his brother, Marcus Armas. Oh, yeah. Okay. He appeared uh, in 15 games for the A's in 1993. He did hit a home run. <laughs> well, okay. Let's take a quick look here and see if it was in his first game, because, you know, everyone seems to do that. It was not. It was in his second game. He hit his home run. <laughs> <laughs> that is weird how that works. Of course, Tony Armas is his son who played in the big leagues for a while. But uh, let's see, Tony Armas Jr., of course. Senior, I remember, yes. with the A's, he had a big stick. He had 14 years in the big leagues, ended up with 251 home runs, led the league twice in home runs, also led the league once in RBI. But 89 was his final year. It was, uh, you know, he played sparingly. He still hit 11 home runs, had 30 RBI, and a 109 uh, ops plus and that equals a war of 0. 0.4 that is going to be all i'm going to get from that card but it's a positive so i'll take it okay so i am at 4.4 and my next card is one of my favorite catchers from the rangers It is not yvonne rodriguez it is gino petrale
1: one of the great names yeah do you think he's italian <laughs> no no huh? no that Maybe sounds icelandic to me
0: uh, gino petrale in 1989 <laughs> He was on the Rangers. He was on the Rangers for nine of his 12 years of his career. He came up with Toronto. I did not know that. And appeared for three years with Toronto very sparingly and then came over to Texas where he caught Nolan Ryan for quite a bit. Yes uh let's see 1989 wow with the bat pretty impressive he slashed 304 368 408 really a a singles hitter only seven doubles four home runs 23 rbi but that's a 117 ops plus and that equals a war of 0.6 in the positive
1: another positive you know how jealous i am
0: yeah i'm up to i'm up to uh five even now it's gonna take a lot for you to come mm. back here,
1: I might You're even, need the worst player of all time.
0: Yeah, I might put in uh, I might put in a position player to pitch here pretty soon. I mentioned that but Charlie caught Nolan Ryan quite a bit. He was also Charlie Huff's caddy when oh, Charlie oh. was on the
1: Rangers. That can be a rough time of, for a catcher.
0: Uh, so yeah, uh, catching a knuckleball can be uh, can be challenging. He did uh, tie a major league record in one inning when he committed four passed balls. Well, uh, Charlie <laughs> Huff was out on the mound. Probably uh, eight days later, he committed six in one game. So that, that's 10 pass balls in a week
1: with Huff on the mound. Oh, that had to be just brutal.
0: Did catch Nolan Ryan's 300th career win as well. That's cool. All right. I got a Hall of Famer. This doesn't bode well for you.
1: Oh, this is bad.
0: Yeah, it's, it, I, I, I'm going to put a position player in after this. I have got the mullet,
1: George Brett. Oh, man. One of the great hitters of all time.
0: Yeah, now you're lucky here, though, because he had a string of being an all-star for 13 seasons in a row. This was the first year in his career after he became a regular that he did not make the all-star team. Wow. Uh, so he only had 12 home runs, 80 RBI, hit 282, at 123 OPS plus, and that equals a WAR of 1.7. He is a Hall of Famer, of course, so that's gonna yeah. bump me up to 2.7. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna say this is over George Brett. We've talked about many times before. Uh, we've talked about uh, his uh, issues uh, with uh, the, the <laughs> needing to change <laughs> pants. At one point during a game, uh, we've talked about the song Royals or the song Royal by Lord written after a picture of him being mobbed by autographed seekers. And we've talked about that. We've talked about the time, the uh, pine tar home run as well. I think we've covered George Brett. This is a this is a baseball history podcast. We've talked about him enough.
1: Something interesting. I don't know if we've discussed this, but George Brett is actually credited with coming up with the Mendoza line term.
0: Oh, so he's who I should file my complaint with right oh okay because as we know we've mentioned that mario mendoza's career batting average is 215 not 200 so i'm guessing mario mendoza was on the royals at one point
1: i'm sure
0: uh mario mendoza never a teammate of george brett so george brett was really just being a jerk at that point
1: it's just being rude (laughs) (laughs) i
0: mean and, and we've i think we've touched on this before mario mendoza in his nine years in the big leagues Okay, more than half of them he hit under two hundred, but that means that the other four he hit over two hundred. I mean, he was yes. he was always flirting with it. So I guess you know, and usually people say you're flirting with in Mendoza line. I get it, but that's rude. Come on, George, you're better than that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm up to 7.7. I have got three cards left. I feel like I've got this in the bag. Next, we've got a catcher for the Cubs. I know the first thing you're going to say about this. It is Damon Berryhill.
1: Gotta love Damon
0: Berryhill. And why? Because he hits left-handed because it's switch hitting catcher that's right yes <laughs> i know i know your uh, love for that damon barry hill played for 10 years in the big leagues most of it was with the cubs half of it was with the cubs 1989 was his third year backup catcher split time back there probably with joe Girardi. i think in 1989 hit 257 five home runs a 75 ops plus and that equals. I still got a positive war out of this with a one point zero. I'm just on fire. Just, now, it's just one of those, keep adding to it, man. Yeah, it's just one of those games where everything is
1: falling. Yeah, you know what? You, you got this big lead. Don't be stealing bases on me, all right?
0: Yeah, I'll try. I'll try and tone it down. I, I, I'll just I'll just go a base at a time. I am up to now eight point seven, and uh, next we've got a. I think he was a third baseman for the most part. Let's see with the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers. Tracy Woodson
1: I do remember Tracy Woodson my buddy was a big Dodgers fan that's the only reason I thought you were going to
0: say your your buddy was a big Tracy Woodson fan and I, gonna I say he may the, have been
1: I don't recall
0: I don't think there were many but uh, <laughs> Tracy Woodson was never a full-time player with really anybody Uh, with the Dodgers in 89 was his last he was in the big leagues for five years three with LA two with St. Louis in 89 though he only appeared in four games and did not have a hit for a minus 100 OPS plus he was on that 88 Dodger team though so he did get a ring there now with a minus 100 OPS plus do you think I might get a minus
1: 8.7 war I I doubt it's going to be that high it's
0: actually minus .2 and he's wearing real stirrups. So it's only going to be a minus .1 there for Mr. Woodson, which will bump me back to 8.6.
1: A little better than right mine. There.
0: Yeah, now here I'm reading that he currently coaches the Richmond Spiders baseball team. Now it says coaches, so I don't know if a he's even still there and I'm going to, you know, I want to I want to say you know, probably not. But uh, I and I think we had him recently because I see here his first career home run came off of Nolan Ryan. And I think we talked about that just recently. Yeah, true. Oh, this is interesting. Also works as a Division One men's college basketball referee. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And I guess the Richmond Spiders, that's a university, the University of Richmond. Uh, I was thinking that was a minor league team, but no, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the University of Richmond. All right, so I am down to my final card. I currently have a lead of uh, 7.3. I'm feeling confident. My final card is none other than Albert Hall here with the Atlanta baseball team.
1: Albert Hall, boy, you know, I kind of forgot about that guy. He had a little, little punch to him, didn't he?
0: Uh, let's see albert hall had five career home runs in nine years so
1: very little very little
0: okay. he had more speed uh one year uh, in 87 he stole 33 bases and followed that up with 15 he was also caught 10 times that year so again that's brett butler like numbers 1989 was his final year in the big leagues he played with the bucks only appeared 20 games and uh, did not do a whole heck of a lot a war of minus Point one, but he is wearing real stirrups, so I will, uh, I will, <sighs> I, I will take a zero on that uh, happily, and uh, that will propel me to the win. We'll go over that here quickly. Uh, I'm surprised his nickname was not Royal Albert Hall. Why is that not a thing?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point.
0: Yeah, I, I'm guessing baseball players, a lot of them might not know about <laughs> Royal Albert Hall. Wow, in the minors, I mentioned his speed. In the minors, in successive seasons, he stole sixty six, one hundred sixty, and sixty two, wow, and, and then eventually seventy two in AAA. So yeah, a lot of stolen bases in the minors. All right, so let's take a look at the final scores. I came in with a rousing eight point six compared to your one point three. Now let me crunch the numbers here, and uh, yes, I can see that I did in fact win this one. Very. Very easily, and that'll bump my total up to three to your one. So I'm cruising early in the season, but we know that uh, you shouldn't really look at the standings until uh, you get past the all star break.
1: We're not ready to rebuild yet, but we're, we're not happy with the direction we're going.
0: All right. Um, let's see. So let's get ready to wrap up the show now. Uh, it's been fun to be back. Had a lot to talk about, had a good time talking about Don Stanhouse. And uh, just to talk about baseball again, which we hadn't done for a couple of weeks. So if you do want to keep up with us throughout the week, you can do so on the social media as we are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Twitch, on YouTube. You can find all of those links in the show notes. You can also find our email address, which Mark will recite starting right now.
1: TWO Strike Noise at gmail.com. Go ahead and write us on the old fashioned Gmail
0: all right mark this was so much fun i say we do it again next week
1: i'm, I'm all for it man i mean i got uh, i got some plans but other than that yeah I, I think i can make some time
0: yeah ditch them this is two strike noise you want to make point. sure to be here for that you're right thank you to our listeners and uh, yeah we'll see you next week on the next episode of two strike noise
1: thank you god bless you have a great day